Welcome to the Midwestern Method Podcast. Today's episode, I'm interviewing Katie Tomaszewski from DeepLine Health. I'm specifically talking to her about a program she does called Dynamics, but we talk about Pilates, kind of like the history of Pilates, all kinds of cool stuff in that. Uh, we, we go in a lot of different directions, uh, but we have a really good conversation. I, I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Um, thank you to all my Patreon subscribers. And if you have not joined my Patreon club, what are you waiting for? I mean, seriously, what's going on? So take a look at my link below so that you can join my Patreon. If you're interested in exclusive content, this content is generally a guided breathwork session, uh, multiple breathwork sessions, techniques, all about breathwork is basically what my Patreon is all about. So if you enjoy that sort of thing, have a look at my Patreon club. Also, please take a look at my sponsors below. We've got Mandala Chocolate, Dream Nutrition. Um, and if you would like to sponsor the show, please get a hold of me at uh, the email address below. Guys, thanks so much. Let's listen to the show. Welcome to the Midwest. My name is Jesse, and today I am happy to have on my show Katie Tomaszewski from DeepLine Health. And um, actually, she has been, I, I met Katie, I met you, um, has it been a year or two? I forget how long it was whenever you came to one of my women. It's probably been about, I, I would guess it's been almost two years. Got it. No, it's only been a year and a half since I started playing with Wim Hof. November okay. of 2018. Okay. And then so, I came to your workshop like in that spring, like like a maybe a February or so or March. Right, right. I think yeah, yeah, I think so. So um so anyway, yeah. So uh Katie is a Wim Hof method practitioner and uh she has uh her, her company is DeepLine Health and basically you focus mostly on Pilates. What all what all is DeepLine Health and how did it all get started? Uh, so DeepLine Health is a great story. I, I, a few years ago when I, I took a break from drinking alcohol, um, just because I had a lot of ideas and I just found myself never doing them. <laughs> and, okay. um, it's not that I, I had to stop drinking. It's just like, I knew I could find some more time and resources and all the good things. So I made a commitment to stop drinking for six months so I could get my website going and just find the time to get everything done that I wanted to. And my idea was to create an online studio where everything was live, not a library, but a live online studio. And um, kind of the idea was, why would anyone do that? <laughs> why would anyone want that? Okay. So um, I just kept chugging along. I started with a blog. I started making some um, park workout videos and different things. And then um, along that road, I would pop up classes like when there was a big polar vortex and everything closed down. So I, I was popping up a bunch of classes and it was pretty successful. And I look out for emergencies where things might be closing and I, and I do some pop-ups. So, um, of course, we had a, a huge emergency recently with COVID and, and right. I noticed my daughter's school was closing and different things. And I thought, okay, I'm going to pop this up for two weeks so we can get through this little thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, here we are. 
here we are 10 <laughs> weeks later. Um, yeah. So it's been, an, it's been an idea that has been slowly growing. I had been started to collaborate with some other teachers to do more of like a workshop based um, studio, but now we're running as a full studio. I have uh, 11 classes a week that are movement based. Um, we run several different workshops. We have a meditation class. So it's cool because as a member, you get this whole mind, body, spirit package. And I feel like I'm almost describing myself as a personal shopper for your wellness. There's so much out there. And so my, my members trust me to be out there in the field and filter down what will be valuable to them in a way that they can understand it and use it. So it's been really cool because I've been able to, to showcase things like Wim Hof and Kundalini breathwork and stuff that the um, average person who's not super into wellness isn't even going to hear about, but can be very healing and really powerful. So that's always been my dream is to bring these incredible um, healing modalities to people that only know how to go to their doctor. That's just the only thing they know about or they have right. access to, and yeah. they don't know that there could be other things that they could do to help themselves. So it's been a real thrill. I I'm super excited about the, um, you know, uh, ability to bring, bring all these people that were maybe never going to use Zoom. They're like, nope, I'm, I don't know what that is. I don't really feel comfortable with the internet. And now, I, and now they're using it and now they're getting access to all this really rad stuff. So it's been pretty, it's been pretty great. So your, your, whole, your whole studio is virtual. It's all on Zoom, is that right? All virtual. Um, and I do, you know, once the studios open up again, I will teach some classes in person and I do some in-person events um, and workshops and things like that. But primarily DeepLine Health Club is an online studio. So, and mostly you, you yourself, you teach Pilates. Is that, is that primarily, that's what you focus on or do you teach other specific things yourself? I know you get a lot of other people to come in and teach meditation and things like that, but your focus is mostly Pilates, is that right? Yeah, that's where I'm trained. Um, I, I'm trained in classical Pilates. I've studied Pilates extensively, but it's almost sort of like Pilates can be a bit of an umbrella term, and there's some controversy in the industry about that, but oh. it's sort of something that people understand as, oh, this is you know a, a thoughtful movement practice. So whether or not you're using the exact choreography of Pilates or you're using threads of Pilates within other things, which is what I tend to do, um, it's, it's more of a thoughtful drop into your body. I do teach some classes that are super high fitness, but a lot of them are more about um, getting the nervous system down, moving your connective tissue so that you leave class and you feel ready and you feel good, not that you feel like, Yes, I punished myself for that piece of cake I had. Oh, I'm sore for a week, you know. Although sometimes people are sore for a week, but it's just not that kind of approach. Yeah, I I always thought Pilates sounded kind of wimpy. To be honest, I mean, no offense, <laughs> I but I was, to, you know, as I was going through my life, I was like, I've heard, of, okay, there's like, well, we did some Pilates, and I I never heard about the bros, you know, going to Pilates or anything. So I was like, well, it's probably just probably something I'll never try. And then I I tried it one time. And it was one of those things where it was one of those, I was like, okay, I've got nothing else to do. I'll go try your Pilates <laughs> class. You know, I was thinking, it was really, I, yeah, I, I, I was just like, I was thinking it'd just be this really simple, like, I don't know, just kind of like a sweat into the oldies type of experience. And then uh, <laughs> I was, I was very surprised. I was super surprised and I was sore for a long time. 
when it comes, we talked about the core work, really, I was, I was really impressed. And, and then I learned more about, it was, it's Joseph Pilates who, who came up with it and all the research that he had done, which I found to be a really interesting story. I gotta say, I have a blog that I'm forever like adapting and it will be posted at some point all about how Joseph Pilates and Wim Hof would be best friends. They're almost the same exact person. <laughs> like yeah, when you hear stories of Joseph Pilates and he's like emphatic about this, mo and he was this in the 1930s, you know, he's like this modern living is not good for our souls and right, it's not right. good for our health and we need to breathe deep and we need to and there's pictures of him standing outside in the cold snow in his underwear um <laughs> he was uh he he's very whim like i think they would definitely be vibing in the same crew if they were <laughs> if they were alive at the same time well, but as, um, I, as i understand it he was trying to put together he, he took elements of yoga he took elements of other traditional, uh, I, I guess, methods of, of fitness and wellness, and, and basically was trying, he, he felt like he could um, improve a person's overall, like, uh, psychology. Is that right? Yeah, well, he definitely believed in the whole person. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he believed that breath was super, super, super important. And he talked all about how we have all this stale air in our lungs and you really have to expel it and take breath in. And, and he believed that we were getting old too young, that we should not be feeling old until we're 90, 100. Um, and he put that all into just the way that we that we live our lives and and so yeah there's this psychological aspect to it but that was before you know before those terms really existed that much you know it was very very um we were at the beginning of our of our societal <laughs> like yeah. whatever we want to call it um our changes so but he saw it and he was he was fighting adamantly against it and he has a couple amazing books out they're so cool to read one called return to life which mm -hmm. has the pilates exercises in it and it was meant to be a manual back then they didn't have podcasts and right <laughs> yeah and all that so he made a manual and he talks about his belief system and he includes examples of all the exercises with photos and it's amazing how much it has stayed true it's not something that's like, well, yeah, that part's not so, right. um, so that's really cool anymore. But he based a lot on swimming, a lot on cats and a lot on babies. So he kind of studied. Um... Uh oh, I'm sorry. It looks like sounds like we're breaking up just a minute. I'm back. You're back. You're back. Okay. You were talking about, but you're getting to a really cool part. I, I was really interested. So you, <laughs> you were studying cats and babies and, cats and, then, and babies yeah. <laughs> and, and yes, there's like yoga kind of influences in there. Um, but, uh, nature is what it comes down to. And, um, one of my favorite Pilates mentors, her name's Amy Alpers. Uh, she, she likes to say that Pilates brings you back to nature. So when people do Pilates, they're like, oh my gosh, I feel like their, their faces, it's like their eyes have spirals in them. They're like being awakened um, because 
there's these parts that just have been sort of trained into these linear movements and these linear thought patterns. And even modern fitness, it's a lot of like up, down, up, down, but that's not actually how we move in our lives is more spirally. And um, so (laughs) it, it, it enlivens you and it brings you back to what your natural animal self would be doing. You'd be crawling a little, you'd be having to reach for that cherry on a tree and you'd be standing on a branch and everything would be spiraling and lifting and you wouldn't be just um, up and down with a barbell for 30 reps or whatever. Although that does build muscle and that's important. Um, there's more things to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And getting back to that, because one of the things, of course, you know, we find more and more is that modern life is this wonderful thing. Obviously, we don't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to give up heating and cooling and indoor plumbing and all these things. But obviously, there are a lot of things that, you know, our ancient ancestors would just be blown away that we're dying of and that we have problems with, like, like mobility and movement. Like, how is it possible we're dying of eating too many calories? You know, all these things um, that are modern inventions that we're we're dealing with. Um, And so, so you've got also so DeepLine Health, also one of your, one of your, the things that you're doing is a program called Drynamics. And this is something that I've been following on your Instagram because, uh, Katie, you, you have, I don't know how many pictures of yourself hung over <laughs> and like, Wrong. I love it. It's, you know, it was, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, first of all, just to take pictures, it's like, Hey, I'm. I forget one of your things you were saying you're trying to get bed sores or something like <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, it was like a Facebook post from, I don't know, 2007 or something. And I was like trying to get bed sores. That was my status <laughs> update on like a Sunday. I must have just been having like a nice two day hangover. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I got to say, if for, for anybody watching or listening, it is kind of fun to watch, uh, to, to follow Drynamics because one of the things you see. Not only, of course, you know, Katie sharing the fun, I guess, side, you know, like there's a lot of commentary to your pictures, you know, but then also you see a lot of the before and afters, a person who's gone through the the Drynamics program. Um, What is kind of, if you don't mind, just kind of elaborate on what all you're trying to do and where did this come from, this Drynamics? Yeah. Um, so Dynamics is sort of my, my flagship program, my flagship workshop of Deep Line Health. Um, and it came up very organically, to be honest. As I mentioned before, I, I took six months off of alcohol. And I thought, yeah. you know what? I was turning 35 and I thought, and then when I turn 40, I'll do it again. And then 45 and then 50. And by the time I'm 55, I probably won't want to drink that much anymore. If right. I just keep doing these breaks because I didn't feel I had a problem. It was just sort of like the cycle and I really liked drinking, but yeah. I never was out of hand. I didn't get in trouble. I didn't fight with people too often, you know? So, <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> I mean, of course there were some regrets, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but it wasn't an issue, you know, per se. I just right. saw, I just had to get real that it was, it was kind of a barrier to some stuff I wanted to do with my life. It just kind of kept me in one spot. I'd take three steps forward and, and then I wouldn't take another step for two months, you know? Yeah. So um, after I took that break, I started experimenting again with alcohol because my, my annoyance was the hangover 
more than yeah, anything. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. It, uh-huh, right? I mean, that's the part that sucks alcohol's about alcohol. great. Just yeah, that hangover. Exactly. <laughs> and so for me, I, I learned that I, it was, um, it caused me a ton of anxiety and depression. Yeah. And um, again, something that I, I had taken an antidepressant at various points, you know, when some big stuff had happened in my life, a divorce, a friend passing away, but I wasn't like totally um, in a medicated state. I was self-medicating with alcohol. But um, when I took that away, I I realized how deeply that that was connected. And I was like, I have um, almost no symptoms of those situations anymore. So I got stuck in this tough place of like, to drink or not to drink. And I was almost ashamed of not drinking. It's I was weird, almost like, isn't I didn't it? want yeah. people to know because they're like, what's your problem? Why are you ruining everybody's fun? We're trying to have a good life here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there's so this thing. I kept it. Yeah, there, I, I feel like there's a thing where you, you, you go to a, a party or something like that. And if you choose not to drink, it is this thing where people start to feel guilty because they are drinking around you. And then they're like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, and then it, it, it does, it turns into a thing. I know what you mean. Yeah, and, and it's why people pretend to drink when they're not. It's just Which so, so ingrained. Really, yeah, okay, yeah. It's so ingrained in our culture to right. support the alcohol use. And I mean, that's literal brainwashing from the alcohol industry, television and movies. And, you know, it's, it's um, we're just, it's the same if you look at old cigarette ads from yeah. the 70s and it's like i'm a woman of power you know look how skinny <laughs> i am and it's like right. that's because i smoke capri ultra lights <laughs> you know we were making right. ashtrays for our parents for christmas at school yeah. and it was normal and if you didn't let people smoke in your house you were kind of a you know a stick in the mud or something right, you're, you're proved, like, you know right yeah. right so i see i see that and i see alcohol and I, I see a lot of similarities of where things are kind of turning as far as people are getting aware and going wait alcohol is carcinogenic wait alcohol is aging me and costs a ton of money and gives me inflames my health conditions and, and whatever so so i kept taking long breaks like i i sort of call it the long break lifestyle where i take like three months off and then i go okay i'm gonna be easy on myself because i'm gonna drink at this wedding or this or that but i kept drinking less and less and people started noticing that this was something i was really sticking to which was surprising because i was the one who always suggested to get wine showed up with two bottles let's get more you know like kept i was like the one keeping the party going usually and um so people started asking me how did you like are you missing it how did you kind of fall out of love with alcohol how did you break up from this and i was advising a lot of people on a one-to-one basis just as friends and i finally thought, you know what, let me get a little group together because this will be easier if we just chunk up and then we can meet like a couple times a week and we'll, we'll, we'll just play around with this. And it was a great success. So I continued again a few months later and now I'm in my fourth season and it's, I love Dynamics. It's like the light of my month. Um, it's a great, great group and it's not an addiction program. It's not even necessarily to get you sober. It's the goal is just to actually learn how to show up for yourself better. And at the end of the day, a lot of us use alcohol as a buffer. 
we use alcohol to tolerate stuff we're not super into, but we're like, yeah. but I should go to that party or I should hang out with this friend that I don't actually really is a very toxic friendship. But I, yeah. I drink the whole time to make it tolerable. So you just get really clear on what's up in your own life. And some people decide not to drink really after that. And some people go, that was cool. And I'm going to like still explore my drinking. And I think that it's, you know, it's too soon to set the towel because it's like replanting the seed and they maybe took 12 weeks off a year ago and that goes now next year, maybe they take a month and a half off again on their own kind of thing. So it's just, just opening up that door of what could be on the other side. I think this is one of those issues that is kind of, it's kind of awkward because of the way we look at things we, we have in our minds, you're either a hopeless alcoholic, right? You're either just in the gutter. Wow. Frank keeps getting arrested and drinking and driving or you're not, you know, it's, it seems like you're either one of these two things. And then to, to actually say, Hey, you know what? And there's this thing that I don't know. I, I just seem to, to do. Like, I think one of the, one of the things for me, I, I can relate a little bit about the, the person who likes to, to get other people to drink. And so that was that. that You're awesome can, and fun. Oh, man, you know, but, but the thing is, what happens is now I have a lot of relationships that that is where our friendship started, right? So it was always the thing where, hey, whenever we get together, we just, we get hammered. And then, you know, that's kind of the thing we do. And then you start to realize, well, why do I really even hang out? at all. Why, why? And it's not like, I don't like this person. Hey, we'll go have lunch or whatever. And it's fine. But it's like, if we do an evening, it's the only thing we know how to do. So kind of reprogramming what hanging out is, I think would be a really helpful thing. And so from what I'm hearing, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like that's pretty much what it is. Isn't, is that, am I hearing it right? Yeah, no, there's a big aspect to um, many of us uh, stop for, so we, it's like we forget how to interact in a vulnerable way unless yeah. we're drinking. And we all want that. We want yeah, to connect. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, and so we get into like business mode all day when we're in our little like phony professional way and like, ha ha ha, you know, see you later. And um, yeah. whatever, I don't know what these people do. I've never had that life, but I, I get that vibe sometimes. I think but they say synergy a lot. They say synergy and things. That's what I've heard. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have your two, three drinks and then you can, you can unbutton, right. And be relaxed. And yeah. so it's a great opportunity to connect with people in that vulnerable open space totally sober so you've got your training wheels there that are happening um and also it it helps you get creative and you might not like this analogy because you've got a little one and you're in quarantine yeah and like right when when you don't know what to do throw them the screen works every uh, time right works right, every time right. but what happens <laughs> when they're on that screen way too long and way too frequently they turn into friggin maniacs they do it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> they're like whacked yeah. and they, and they, and you take the screen away and they're like, this is boring. There's nothing to be done. Ugh, my right. life, this, this sucks. I want a good life. Give me my screen. <laughs> but half an hour later, all of a sudden they're like pulling something out of the craft drawer and painting or creating a movie with the, you know, 
in their mind. We'll say they're not, we're not giving them screen back in this example. But, but you know, yeah. what, I, what I mean to bring that up is that we as adults are like alcohol with the screen. I'm somewhere, I don't know what to do. Give me the screen. Give me the drink. Give me the drink. But if you just let yourself be uncomfortable for those few moments, and it is only a few. After yeah. that first week or two, people say that there's like maybe 10 minutes a week of uncomfortableness. And, you know, it seems like it's going to be so much. It's like 10 minutes a week. And so you give yourself that space to just be uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden you actually just have a, you, you know, when you're having a good time, you yeah. connect more deeply with the, the people that you're actually connect, like supposed to connect with. If you're not vibing with somebody, that's okay. You should move to another conversation, not just pour another drink and stay in that space. Cause yeah, there's, there's more interesting things. While you're not vibing with that person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get your information, be clear with it. So, so as, as far as the quarantine life that we've all been living, you know, um, there's these reports, you know, alcohol has been selling like crazy. It's something that we see a lot more of. And of course people aren't drinking socially even. I mean, it's right. something you can't go to the bar. So a lot of people are drinking at home. A lot of people who don't normally drink are drinking massive quantities. Have you seen any changes? Has it been harder for your group or has, has this been something that, your group has brought up a lot because well, I know it, it's got to, it's got to have some kind of an impact. Yeah. So the quarantine started right at the end of my last group. Okay. So the cool thing is, is after you get to a certain place with it, you're, you're kind of good. It's like that first month is the time that I think that people have a relationship with sobriety because that, that's what people usually cleanse with is like two weeks or a month. And that's the withdrawal period. That's right. not the good part yet. The good part is week five to forever. And right. so most yeah. people don't make it that longer. They're at week five. And then by week six, they go back to drinking because you kind of get, there's, there's sort of a dip at that point. That's a, that's a hard point week five, six. Um, but by the end of it, you're like, nobody finishes dynamics and is like, I've been holding onto this bottle of wine. I can't wait to drink it. Like, most people go for weeks or months after and, and just kind of like it casually, you know, comes in again, but there's no hunger for it. So those guys were kind of set up that they were um, starting, starting quarantine on a sober note. Yeah. But then I thought, okay, I'm supposed to recruit for a new group now. And I don't think that this is the right time. I don't even want to be putting anything on social media about, why drinking is not a good idea because we're all struggling and mm -hmm. I don't want to shame anybody. Yeah. I just, I, I was very conflicted if I should do a program at all. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, I know that there are people that were already sick of drinking yeah. and now they found, they have found themselves in quarantine and they're in that cycle. And I've been there. You're just like, don't want to drink, but you're like, just pour the wine, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just, you, but you want out. You wish somebody would help you get out. So I went, all right, let's just do this. But these guys have been, I mean, we're only on our second week right now, but everybody's been really loving it so far. It's when you take those first, you get that air after taking the alcohol away. It's like, it's like a relief to not have to deal with drinking. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I think boredom, leads a lot of people to drinking and well, it was just a lot of probably just a lot of bad behavior. I know it's like boredom has well, can I tell you what boredom, what boredom comes down to tell is, me is judgment. So judgment. yeah, it's a judgment of self 
or a judgment of the situation that you're in. So if you feel like life is boring, you've got to look at like how critical are you are you of yourself and others because those go to hand in hand. And if you feel like like I always felt like my value was to be the most loud, exciting, fun person with the best stories. I just had to keep it coming. You uh -huh. know, that's what the people are paying for. <laughs> And so I felt my identity was really rocked when I took away alcohol because sometimes I'd be at a party and I just wouldn't be in that mood because that's not natural to be like that all the time. And mm -hmm. so getting back to my natural self and accepting that sometimes my natural self is a little bit quieter and that's okay. Nobody's counting on me to be any other way. And if they are, then it's not really a relationship that's great for me. You know, if, if I'm their, their court jester, you know, I, I like it a little deeper bond than that. So I do get that boredom thing a lot. And you really got to, that's a, that's a perfect time to check in with what do I, what am I expecting out of myself? And is that really, is that natural? Is that fair? Is that right? Can I ease that? Yeah, that, I think, I think if you look at it like that, I mean, there's, it's no wonder you see so much binge drinking, especially, um, especially when I was in college and that's, you know, when I was in college, I did a lot of binge drinking, even high school. And that's kind of how I even learned to drink. And it was based around those social interactions a lot of times, but the excuse was always I'm bored. Right. And when you look at it, it's, it's, it has to do with values. I think that it makes you say, maybe I, maybe I am more important than that. Maybe I am a little bit more valuable than that. I love that you said it. That's when I learned how to drink because yeah when you first tried alcohol the first time you got drunk it didn't feel good it didn't taste good it didn't feel good it didn't taste good it didn't taste you know good. <laughs> it's it's usually i mean i guess i'll say the first time i got drunk i got sick you know i was drinking yeah. um and i had to learn how to drink and so it's um it's something that we're taught how to do and there is an unlearning involved Involved. And yeah. so we, we, what happens is we start drinking at such a young age, most mm -hmm. of us in high school. Yeah. Um, and so we associate all these things with drinking. And it's like that, that old like statistics, is it correlation or causation? It's correlation. When you're having a good time, you're going to have a good time with or without alcohol. The alcohol mm -hmm. does not cause the good time. But what, when we are so used to drinking that we've actually messed with our chemicals in our gut, in our brain, and, and everything's a little out of whack, well, we're in a crave state, at least at a low level. Mm -hmm. If you're drinking once, or once a week even, you're in a slight crave state all the time. So that when you take the alcohol, it does provide a sense of relief. But when you cleanse from the alcohol for a long enough period, you actually feel the true drug not what you think it is it's only because you're in this crave state that it gives you that ah and because you've attached you know the mind's a very powerful place and if your mind says just like a little kid loves their blankie the blankie isn't making them happy but their mind has attached that to it you know so the beer is not making you happy but you've got this nostalgia and you've got all these memories and so there's there's a thing that happens there's a placebo effect because you can be so stressed out and you're like, I just need a drink. And you have one sip, you sit back, you go, oh, thank God. Yeah. Alcohol doesn't work that fast. Yeah, that's you true. didn't take enough either. That's true. I, <laughs> I think, so, so during quarantine, I've, I, I've drank twice. I, I've had alcohol twice Lucky during quarantine. You. 
And uh, well, I, this the thing is, I'm not normally I I really don't drink very often. You know, it's it always okay. kind of weirds me out whenever I take a health assessment, you know, at work or whatever, and they're like, "How often do you drink? One drink a day, two drinks a day?" I'm like, "Well, no, 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 no. I don't do that. You know, I, I it, one a day. I don't. What I'll do it, it, for me, it's it's kind of spaced out. But like I said, whenever I learned to drink, it was like, okay you know, all the movies that you've seen, that was, that was what was in my head. I think there is a, there's a a culture that it's like, oh, this is what it is. So I, I, during COVID, uh, I don't, it's so weird. They have drive-in liquor stores now, basically, because, you know, so you go, (laughs) you go up there and, and, you know, the lady comes up and she's like, what will you have to drink? And, you know, I'm like, okay. And I tell her and she, so it makes the liquor buying out, you know, the, the experience way less, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not as bad. And then you, you have some drinks. And the thing is, my, after my first drink, like you say, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. And then, um, and then, of course, I try not to drink to the point where I have a horrible hangover the next day. But... I feel like no matter how little I drink now, it sort of happens anyway. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> so I'm like. Well, can I ask you, Jesse, do you, because yeah. this is usually what it comes down to for most of us, that alcohol, it, even just one drink, it's going to mess up your sleep. Mm-hmm. And so it's not even that yeah. the drug is so strong that it's giving you this terrible hangover. But if your sleep is interrupted, then you're going to be screwed the next yeah. day. You're not yeah. going to be dysfunctional completely, in a, but you're going to be off. You're not going to be as clear. You're not going to be as motivated. You're going to be in your head a little more ruminating about Yeah, It doesn't matter. Um, and that's why I pretty much stopped kind of naturally. I, you know, in my twenties, it kind of tapered off. Um, yeah. you know, after, after I got out of like, like the grad school, the, the school type situations, it kind of tapered off for me to where it was just, you know, whenever my friends got together or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I'll have uh, terrible sleep. The next day sucks. And then, you know, but my first drink, I'm like, man, why don't I drink more often? This is great. And then the next day kind of just sucks. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, I guess that's why. <laughs> so the al- you know, alcohol as a drug, if we want to talk drugs, you know, and yeah. I'm somebody, uh, I'm very openly have experimented with all kinds of things, you know, and yeah. I do think there's mind expansive qualities that ha- there's, there's been um, experiences that I've had that I'm not mad that I had. I'm not anti all of the things, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, when I look at alcohol as a drug, you know, A, the way the drug works, it's, it's really, you get this euphoric sensation for about 20 minutes on your first beverage. Uh And then after that, the drug wears off. And because you got this flood of dopamine and all this extra, your body's always wanting you to be in homeostasis. So it pulls back on all the natural joy flooding good hormones and you get that crash. You know, you go out to have one drink after work and you have a great time and then you're in the Uber ride and you're like yawning, kind of like, you know, dreading the rest of your night all of a sudden. So you get that crash. So then you have another to come back up and then it's just, it's just this constant chemical wave until you are inebriated, you know, to the point where you're actually just numb. So you don't notice the up down. You're just kind of like in that woozy state and it's a depressant. Um, I don't think that, you know, if you're looking at like 
you know, people go to ayahuasca in Peru and there's certainly like rituals and things that do involve alcohol. They're not having six ounces of, of whiskey or vodka right. or five, five glasses of wine. It's a small portion to get that, that little bit of opening in the, that they're looking for to expand the mind. And just like any drug, I mean, again, it, it, would you do ayahuasca every twice a weekend? I don't think right. so. Would you do, I hate to use ayahuasca. I know that one's pretty extreme, but any, right. any drug, you know, it wouldn't be so casually like I saw a meme today. I have seen it a lot. Actually, it makes my eyes roll. It's like, this is a quarantine coffee and it's a picture of a margarita. It's like, it's a margarita, but there's no coffee in it or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And like, what if they said that about cocaine? Like, Hey, right, quarantine right. Fox, use some limes. It's way yeah. better, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it fills you with energy. It makes you happy. You know, yeah. but it's, it is true. It, alcohol gets this, this pass. It always has. It's been, it's part of our culture. It's been part of our culture since ancient times, you know? And so it, it's always gotten that pass. One of the, the, the drugs that I'm realizing that has gotten a pass way for way too long right now, especially is caffeine. And oh my God, so, I know. Because, because it really is not natural. There's, there's never been a time in history whenever you could put as much caffeine as, I mean, most of our ancient ancestors never had any caffeine. And yes, there were some that did, but most of us never had that. If you, if you go back to Neolithic, grandma she wasn't making coffee in the morning so now you know we've got energy drinks i was over in poland and you know they have everything's espresso everything so their coffee i i like espresso drinks but whenever all you have is espresso drinks it you know i can only drink so many americanos so i was yeah. really kind of looking forward to some some drip coffee but i realized over there just how much americans abuse caffeine and you know, it's these things that we have a million memes about, I hate you until I have my coffee, right? And it's this stuff that, why is that okay? So, <laughs> so yeah. I, I mean, I love that you brought up coffee because I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to do a war on coffee. Um, no, <laughs> no. I, the, and, the reason I bring it up is, is because I think that like, alcohol gives us this faux enthusiasm when we're, yeah. we're at a social event. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we really need to be that level but then so there's that level of faux enthusiasm and then you wake right. up in the morning and you feel like trash and you have to go to the school pickup line and you also want to have that faux enthusiasm there because we have this high level of like you know i look with my daughter and how parents interact with their kids and they're like yes, yes <laughs> they're like freaking out i'm like with, you're setting this standard for your child to think that's normal behavior. So when they're natural, they're going to yeah. think, why am I not as excited as my mom all the time or my dad all the time? <laughs> it's like, dad's on drugs. You're dead? I'm <laughs> He's sorry. Three cups of coffee and, and six beers at night. Like, yeah, it's easy to, to, to kind of numb out and be a character if you're in that way. But I don't think that it's, I think like if we're natural, um, it's okay to be quiet. It's okay to be subdued and, and actually just get excited when the things in your life weren't that. <laughs> well, and, and you can also have a lot of fun when you're not drinking. That's, that's one of yes. my biggest problems with the word sober. Um, is, is It's the because, worst word. I'm yeah. working on a new one. I hate well, that word. Yeah, exactly. So. I've, I've <laughs> been using just mostly just free, you know, you're free, you're kind of, you know, but the, I mean, the, if you look up the dictionary, you know, sober, I mean, there's nothing miserable. Yeah it's, like, yeah, it's like, not <laughs> only are you not drinking, but like you're probably realizing some kind of devastating reality 
I, you know, it's, it's a sobering conversation. Oh yes. my God, I hate it. You know, and so, but I, of course, yeah. I've seen your uh, Instagram. I'm just going to come back to your Instagram. It's positive. And it's fun. A lot of fun. That's the thing. When I okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an admission right here. I love it. Secrets to, coming out. To an addiction, an addiction that I have. So I was in a rock band all when I was younger, twenties and stuff like that. A lot of drinking. What of, did you play? I was the singer. So, oh, all right. So I had, you know, I had to be. So you the had guy. that breath history from yeah, right. way it's back. It's always been there, so to some degree, okay. and so. I, you know, and I would a lot of times get drunk on stage and spill my beers over other people's guitars and they still remind me about that. But I was always, I was always very judgy against people that do karaoke. And I was like, hey man, you know, if you can't be in a band, you know, why do karaoke? Then later on, I realized karaoke is amazing. That's so fun. Oh my God. So I'll do a lot of karaoke. Now, <laughs> the thing is, I feel like if you're going to do it, you got to go 100%, maybe 200%. Yes. And so I'll do, I mean, air guitar and stuff like that. And I, you don't have to be drunk to, to really enjoy these things that are kind of like typically like the stereotype is you go get wasted and you do karaoke at the end of the night or whatever. But <laughs> which, I mean, yes, you can do that, but you don't have to. You can have a lot of fun and just be yeah. silly. It's okay to be silly, I think, is, is, I don't know, it's an important thing I think everybody needs to understand, is you can be silly and have fun. I, for, see, I meant to copy. You did a, I think you did a lip sync to something around Christmas time or something like that. I was like, oh, I got to do one of those. I got to do one of those. I, I do a lot of lip syncing when yeah. it strikes me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> No, but the thing is, the thing is, I think it's important to, to say we don't have to. I think one of the biggest reasons why we drink is to because when we drink, we don't care. Right. We don't. It, we, it, that's the nice thing about it. You know what you're doing, but you just don't care anymore. And so the next thing, you know, uh, you, you're, you can, you know, you feel like, OK, now I can go, you know, um, you know, ask the person out or do this crazy thing. But you can do these things anyway. You know, it's not like you have to have the drug or the chemical in your system to do them. Yeah, um, it's also not only does it kind of give you that, you know, there's chemical stuff where your inhibitions are lowered, but also it's, I don't want to say it's, it takes more courage to do it sober because you don't get to say, I didn't mean that. Yeah, I was yeah, drunk. I was drunk. Oh, that, I was drunk. I was drunk. I was drunk. I'm not like that. We're so afraid to show up as ourselves. And so to be silly when you're sober is very confronting to some people. They were trained out of that at a young age or whatever. And so you can think about the people that are the most judgy right. about like other people's silliness are probably the ones that are, you know, more apt to be only be able to find that when drinking. So in my program, we do kind of, uh, there are, there are different homework and projects to, to kind of rediscover what actually tickles you. Like, what, let's go back and remember what kind of games did you do when you were a kid? And like, turns out when I'm soul searching, all I used to do was like set up um, fake like cooking shows and like fake TV shows. There was no video recorders. 
I mean, right. we had access to back then, but right. you know, and it's funny that I'm doing all this like media type work and teaching classes and it actually aligns and I do have a lot of fun and enjoy it. It aligns with the stuff I dug as a kid. And so then you start taking yourselves out, selves out, like as if you're dating your own Oh no, oh no, hang on, hang on. It, you cut out. You're making an awesome point and I wanna make sure that we get it all. Katie, are you there? Free writings, we, did I cut out, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. You're making an you awesome me? point. You're really making an awesome point. Can you? Yeah. Talk, well, talking about the kiddos. Yeah. Get back. You know, figure out what you what kind of things you were actually into when you were a kid. Like, did you always want to ride horses? You you have a car. You have money. Why aren't you going to go ride a horse? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. fun as hell. Pony <laughs> you know rides I mean? are cool. And so we, um, it doesn't have to be that extreme. There's stuff like just getting outside of your comfort zone. Like, could you go to a concert? of a music, a music type you're not used to. I know this is not, you know, fitting in this moment um, right. due to the quarantine, but it will happen again. Could you go into some experience that you're not used to? And even watching a movie that's a foreign film or completely the genre that you don't like, just to kind of expand a little bit here and then start to notice what things actually light you up and do more of those things and start making connections within those worlds. I mean, even coming into the, the Wim Hof world yeah. that I was still kind of figuring out myself. I didn't have a program of people to communicate with about this. I was a, a black sheep of my social group. And so I just started kind of going out and doing things that I thought were interesting. And along the way, I've made some really sincere connections. And the great thing about connecting when you're sober is you never run into them the next day and act like you aren't connected. Yeah. I don't see, you don't see me that type of thing. That's but last right. night we told each other everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's suppose, let's suppose someone wants to get involved with dynamics. What are some options uh, that you offer? Yeah. How does all that work? So there's um, two levels of engagement that we do. We have um, a growing Facebook community. And if you wanted to just kind of do the 12 weeks, but you weren't looking for really a lot of engagement, but maybe you're like, I kind of want to try it on my own with a little bit of support, a little bit of guidance, a little bit of community, you can join the Facebook group. Um, but the full program is um, 12 weeks. I only have one program running right now. So there'll be another one in September. Um, we'll probably open that up in early August and that involves weekly meditation, a bi-weekly group meeting with me. Um, we have a sugar thing that comes in because that's just like, we don't want to leave you just addicted to sugar <laughs> because that, that can creep in real easy. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else we have in, in dynamics. Um, we do a book club and we're all connected within the Facebook group and you know, you get hooked up with these other members in, in accountability partnerships and stuff. And it's, it's a really great program. I've, I've learned over the four seasons what, what works and what people mm -hmm. really use so that we don't have just a bunch of pointless meetings, a bunch of stuff that's just fluff. We're, we're getting to the meat of it here. Yeah. Um, and uh, the way to get involved is just um, email me, go to my website. Um, I'm katie at deeplinehealth.com. My website is deeplinehealth.com. Follow me on Instagram at deeplinehealth. Um, I certainly post a lot whenever I'm 
They're having fun this posts. happen. They're fun they posts. They are fun guys. posts. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to, what I'm discovering, which is pretty fun, is once I open my mouth about it, after I stopped feeling ashamed of not drinking, yeah. um, all these people came out of the woodwork that are like, yeah. oh, I secretly don't drink also. Yes. And, and we're like, great. And so um, being out is, it's like, <laughs> you don't have to be in the closet. Right. I <laughs> There's do a love whole your, cool your tagline, sober curious. You're sober curious. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like you know, so I, I'm actually switching it more to sober positive. That's what I'm, yeah. I like that instead of sober. I've been saying sober positive because it doesn't mean you're sober. I'm not sober. You know, right. I, I had a drink in January. Like sure. it's not that I'm never going to have a drink again, but I'm very mindful about it. And I, and I check out like, why, why did I feel I need to drink at that specific thing? Like, I'm just curious. I'm just curious about it. And it leads me to some really empower, powerful realizations and it really guides me. I'm listening to my body and noticing it. But, um, that was a trail off. You were asking, there was some no, other that's, question that had nothing yeah, to do with that. But, but your, but your, all your information, we're, we're going to make sure to put that in the show notes and then. Yes. In the, in the, and of course, uh, if you want to reach out sooner and, and get some one-to-one um, sessions to just get you going on the right path, please reach yeah. out to me. I have those available all the time, but um, you could always join Dynamics then whenever we, we gear up again for the group, the group version. Awesome. Well, Katie, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, guys, if you're looking for Pilates, all these things, definitely check out DeepLine Health and I'll have all those in the uh, description box and in the show notes. Thanks again for being with us. I had so much fun talking to you, Jesse. Always do. I look Absolutely. forward to seeing you again in humanity. That's right. Should I mention, should I mention the ice bash? <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Let's talk. So I had this party going last year. It was sort of like this fun, sober party called the Ice Bash, inspired by my experiences with um, Jesse and, and playing with ice myself, um, because I found that the ice is like a sober drug. Yes, <laughs> and so you, you, you connect real easily with people around you when you're around each other inside of an ice bath. That's an experience <laughs> that bonds you way more than a shot of whiskey ever can. Absolutely. So um, I started having these parties last year, and I intended to have four this summer, but kind of waiting to see if that can happen based on what the rules are. Yeah. Um, so definitely, if that sounds like something that's fun to you, uh, we get a DJ, we do a little movement, we get in the ice bath, we socialize for a couple hours. It's in the morning, and then we go on with our days and just feel amazing. Um, and so follow me. I'll keep you updated. Get on my email list, and you'll know when that's coming up, too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Let's hey, hope. Thanks. Maybe this summer. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to be up there. I'm supposed to be up in Chicago in July. So early. For a workshop? Uh, yeah. July 11th, July 12th. I'm going to do a – I should be. And let's just hope everything goes right. But I'm That's very far away to be making plans, Jesse. I know. In, in this day and age, it's like, yeah, that's months away. So yep. anyway, thanks again for being on the show. Thank Guys, you, check Jesse. it out. Bye.